Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to God's Planning. I'm Father Gregory Pine, zooming in here from Washington, D.C., joined by my confreres, Father Patrick Mary Briscoe in Providence, Rhode Island, and Father Joseph Anthony Cress in Charlottesville, Virginia. Father Patrick, you, being at the esteemed Providence College, have uh, become schooled in the ways of COVID shutdowns. How's life up there? Well, we're pushing through. So we've, uh, we've, we've, uh, we've employed, deployed the temporary pause measure, and mm-hmm. we've been approved by the state of Rhode Island Department of Health to reopen, um, which we are in the process of as we record, and um, which hopefully is going to go well and will be running excellently by the time you're hearing this episode. Mm, nice. That's great. It's great about a live podcast is that you can hear things from the past and from the present. Um, right. We've so, invented time travel. <laughs> it's awesome. The founders of God's planning right here. That's yeah. right. It was, it was Murph the whole time. So check out your local Tesseract <laughs> podcast app and you'll be able to go by way of love. Thank you, Anne Hathaway. Um, Thanks, Charles Wallace. Woo! Cheers. <laughs> and then if you like, you can listen to Hans Zimmer leaning on an organ. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> what a blessing. Um, Father Joseph Anthony, um, how are things in, uh, in Charlottesville? You guys still going to school? Uh, yeah. Uh, we can only do it in groups of five, though, uh, <gasps> which is exciting. <gasps> yeah. Uh, so University of Virginia and its brilliance and, and its vigilance uh, has been testing the wa- wastewater of all of its dorms. And they found early signs of an outbreak in some of the dorms and then went take the next step and tested all the residents of those dorms and did find a handful of uh, COVID positive cases in those. And once they kind of saw that happening around, they kind of tightened up restrictions. And so for the last two weeks, um, the student body has been encouraged to not gather in groups larger than five. Um, so that's a that's a further restriction. Before it was groups, of, uh, the maximum group limit was fifteen for social events. That has decreased to five. Uh, so we're going through about two weeks of that kind of tightening tightening up. Uh, they're encouraging students to not travel outside the city of Charlottesville, no visitors or anything like that, and do that for two weeks. And hopefully things will get better, and then we can kind of resume. Uh, normal operating procedures during COVID semester until November when it all kind of ends. So that's where we are right now, but Jesus is Lord. So, you know, whatever groups of five groups of 15, he's Lord of them all. Yeah. Um, What does your preaching sound like? You're like, it's okay because Jesus had four apostles. Uh, No, wait, that's not it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, it only takes two, Gregory. There you go. Wherever less than five are gathered in my name. Just kidding. Okay. Um, Awesome. All right, COVID. And you guys also just dedicated your beautiful new church there in charlottesville how was that it's uh it's a real church now it's it it was striking and like it shocked me how much it changes being in that room like before i was doing a bunch of work and you know from taping the pews off six feet for covid and all that stuff you're just in there a lot working and it feels kind of like a very large ornate room but the very next day after the dedication i walked in there to uh, to grab something out of the sacristies and I was t- speaking with somebody and realized like you just naturally speak with like hushed tones now 
and there's a reverence for that place. It, it was amazing how much had changed by just anointing the walls and having that altar dedicated that this was a real church and the Lord's presence was strong in there. And it affected how you walked around there and how you interacted in that space because it wasn't just a room anymore. This was the Lord's house. So big fan of that. Big fan. Boom. Um, I mean, most people don't get to attend a church dedication. Uh, I certainly never have. And I hear the right is kind of wild, like a kind of ecclesial yeah. rodeo. Uh, what's the, what's some of the coolest things that you saw? Um, the coolest thing is the anointing of the altar. The bishop used a bunch of chrism, so much so that he had to get refilled three times and he ran out of all the extra chrism that he brought. So I had to go back to the Ambry in the church and take out our, our chrism and almost empty that. Uh, but he just, it was beautiful that he just kept adding more and more chrism and just like the beauty of anointing that altar in, in that. And connected to that is a really beautiful moment where the relics are placed inside the altar. And so he was handed a box of relics. We had five uh, saints put into the altar and then he knelt down behind the altar and inserted the relics himself and prayed for a few moments. Uh, and then he stood up and we brought in a construction worker and then he knelt down and sealed the relics into the altar. Like as part of the liturgy is yeah. like this construction guy up there with like spackle and all that yeah. fun stuff. It's like, dude, love the Catholic church to the construction worker procession. That's my favorite procession. I know. Awesome. Okay, cool. Church dedications. All right. We highly recommend them. So check your local church dedication directory and see if you can find one at a church or an almost church near you. An almost um, church near you. <laughs> so in this I episode, mean, this was the first church that we built in the province. Sorry to cut you off, Father Gregory. Go. This is the first church that we've dedicated from the ground up in the province for a while, right? When was the last one? Uh, it was probably St. Thomas Saint Aquinas, Co right? What was that, like 30 years ago? Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe what, when was St. Gertrude's in Cincinnati dedicated? I mean, I was in the sixties. Yeah. The, then it would have been St. Thomas, the, the previous church here. Yeah. So dude, Crazy. wild times. Anyway, sorry. Just worth thinking. Yeah. About. Yeah. It's, wow. it's a big deal. Yeah, All right. But, uh, now I'm done cutting you off Father Gregory. No, it's better this way. I need to be cut off. Um, so this episode we're going to talk I have something about something else I'd like to say. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I should have seen it, but I didn't. That's okay, though. It's better. Low-lying fruit. <laughs> All right, I give you permission to continue. Thank you, Father Patrick. Um, this episode, we're going to talk about the saints. We're, uh, you know, a few days here from All Saints Day, which um, is one of the six uh, holy days of obligation, uh, depending on when those days fall, if they're Saturday, Monday. Obviously, in the United States, everything's all confusing. Are there holy days of obligation? <laughs> it's really hard to say. Um, one of my I'm favorite phone dad. calls that I've ever fielded on the uh, duty line at St. Louis Bertrand was when Christmas was on a Monday. And St. Louis Bertrand, you know, you have your morning masses, your 7, your 9, your 10.30, your, your 12. We also have a 5.15 evening mass. So I got a guy calling mm -hmm. me up, you know, classic Kentucky type. He's like, oh, Father, uh, you know, so we got Christmas coming up. I'm usually a vigil guy. But if I come, you know, Father, if I come oh, to he's going for the, twofer. the Sunday evening mess, that counts for my <laughs> Sunday and for my Christmas. I was like, <clears throat> all right, sir. The Lord Jesus took flesh so that he could suffer, die, and love you unto salvation. And we're going to double dip. Is that what we're doing here? I didn't actually say that because the guy was like three times my age. Um, 
but I said, uh, no, it doesn't count. He's like, okay, I'll see you twice. I was like, all right, awesome. Um, I love the fact that he sounds like a New Jersey Italian man in <laughs> Kentucky. Just like I had to throw that out there. I think yeah, Gregory I got, only has one accent. An accent. Yeah, <laughs> I just got the one. I'm just going to send it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so we're, we're gearing up for All Saints Day. And it's kind of a strange thing because venerating the saints is something, you know, somewhat peculiar to the Catholic tradition. I think a lot of people are made nervous by it. Certainly our Protestant brothers and sisters, um, they, they tend to think, you know, it's kind of muddies the waters or distracts attention from Christ. So how about in this episode, we're going to talk a bit about the saints, uh, why they make sense, why we love them. Uh, so maybe Father Patrick, you want to just kind of get us started and answer the question, why the saints? What first occurs to you? Right. Uh, the, I mean, the most important thing that I think uh, comes with devotion and veneration of the saints is that they show us that it is possible to live this way, mm. right? The, the saints are a promise that God is inviting us to a, to a depth of, of life and love, um, to, a, a, to a true communion with him, and it's possible to attain that. Uh, that's, that's the most important part about the saints. Now, sometimes the saints feel very distant from us, right? We think like, oh, we're normal people and we're, we're down at like the lowest level of the line graph and like the saints are all the way up at the top. Um, but the saints are, are not the Lord. They're, um, they're different from the Blessed Mother's experience of life and grace. Um, and they promise us um, this opportunity to, to achieve that communion that God is inviting us to um, someday forever in heaven. So that, that's, what I, that's what I would lead with. That's what I think is the most important part for us to think about um, the role that the saints have in our life. They're inspiring for us. I, I mean, building upon what uh, Father Patrick was saying, it's like, it's, I think it's very important for us as, as human beings to have that kind of encouragement to like, hey, this is possible. And this is what it looks like in a very tangible way. Um, I think a lot of times people think that striving to live a Christian life is to do something totally impossible. That's like trying to make yourself an angel, but here are other human mm. beings who have done this and they've done it in a very human way. And like the beauty of uh, living the Christian life and following Jesus Christ is actually makes us more human. And you can see that in the diversity of the saints and, and how that is. Um, but I think it's also just a very, um, core human way to look to other people and say, Oh, I want to imitate that. Like I, I, I see that as encouragement. Like, you know, uh, all three of us here deeply love sports. Right. And as a kid, you always look up to the kind of professional athletes and you put their posters on your bedroom and you have their trading cards. Like you look up to those who are very, uh, you know, proficient in this life and they are uh, excelling at the highest rating and you try to imitate them. You know, I was always trying to be Larry Bird in the backyard, like draining three pointers. But I, I don't think that it's it's contrary to the human spirit in any sense. We see it all around us in so many different ways to look to other humans as a model or an example of what can what we can do. And then we try to imitate that. Yeah. And I think that that example isn't just a mere model of like, look what this person did, but also we have those saints to assist us. It's, mm -hmm. I, I think it's helpful right. to think about right. the saints as like friends, not, not in a silly kind of hallmarky type way where you get these uh, strange religious art pieces and like Jesus is, you know, swinging a baseball bat with a seven-year-old kid and just looking all happy and bearded. You're like, get out of here. It's weird. Um, but in the sense that like the saint, you know, devotion is a kind of form of friendship insofar as, you know, that saint wills your good and promotes that good by 
the means that lie at his or her disposal. And, uh, you know, you kind of get bound up with certain saints. Uh, the Feast of St. Therese wasn't too long oh. ago, and there are a lot of people who have great devotion to St. Therese. Apparently, Father Joseph Anthony isn't one of them. I'm just trying to cite an example that resonates with people, okay? I'm being applicable here. I mean, when you go into a lot of churches, you look at the front of the church, and you're like, all right, there's a tabernacle, Jesus, you know, looking good. And then you turn left, you're like, there's the Lady Altar, Blessed Mother, as good to see you. And then you look to the right, you're like, now it's time for me to venerate St. Joseph. No, it's not. It's time for me to venerate St. Therese. What's up? <laughs> Where'd she come from? Home, home girl sneaky snaking in. That's it. Somebody took an Uber into this church. What the heck? <laughs> so, you know, like people feel very strongly about the saints to whom they're attached because they're kind of friends and devotion is a, a kind of friendship. So it all, mm-hmm. you know, it brings together this dimension of, you know, community or communion in the life of the church. So we have the saints as as examples, but we also have them, this cloud of witnesses encouraging us in our spiritual battle and interceding on our behalf so that we might be yet more perfectly the body of Christ on earth and in heaven, uh, which is really, you know, it's, it's a great gift. It's really beautiful. Um, so maybe, you know, we talked about at the top that some people have some issues or feel a little bit uncomfortable about this idea of like saint worship. Um, so, so maybe we could do a little work of clarifying what that means. So what do we adopt? What stance do we adopt with respect to the saints? How is that different from the stance that we adopt uh, with respect to God? Father Patrick, lead us off. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, so what we're, what we're doing when we're honoring the saints, um, of course, we make a distinction between the worship we pay to God um, and the kind of veneration or honor which we bestow upon the saints. Um, and that's an, that's an important distinction. That's not just wordsmithing, because what we're recognizing in the saints is actually the work of the Lord that has made them wonderful. Um, so all of this, all of this praise ultimately redounds to the glory of God, who is the giver of every good gift and the giver of every grace and blessing. And so we recognize that there is some, there is some kind of, uh, there's some kind of privilege, which we bestow upon the Lord sacrifice worship that belongs only to him. And then a lesser degree of honor or recognition, properly said veneration that we bestow to the saints. Um, and ultimately, again, what we're seeing in the saints is the, the effect of God's goodness, the kind of culmination of the graces that he's given and the wonder of their works. Um, one thing that I always like to point out is that the lives of the saints show us the creativity of the Lord, right? Um, sin is boring. It's often very rote. People fall into the same sins and they're, um, they're, they're very easy to diagnose and to recognize. Um, as confessors, we hear the same things over and over again. Um, and that's just the nature of sin because the devil and the uh, dark angels are only so creative, um, but the saints who are living the full life of grace, who are responding to God's invitation of love in a very deep way, are all very different and manifest, you know, in their lives and um, in the kinds of blessings they bestow, an abundance of God's creativity at work through them. Um, so it all belongs. It all belongs to the Lord, um, whether we're naming it as directly the Lord's or as the Lord's work in other people, um, aka the saints. Boom. God has made marvelous in his saints, and we're going to return to this theme here uh, in just a couple seconds. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or, you know, like plug your AirPods back into the little charging dock for a second, and uh, we'll be back on God's Planning. This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. And we are back. Here we go. We are gearing up for All Saints Day, chatting about the saints, the 
place that they occupy in our lives, the type of veneration that we accord them, whether or not it's possible to be one. Maybe this upcoming All Saints Day will be your feast day. Um, please, God. Uh, so we're talking here about how uh, the type of veneration that we offer to the saints. Maybe, Father Joseph Anthony, talk us through, uh, do the saints distract us from God? You know, there's this kind of concern that Jesus Christ is the universal mediator of salvation, and now you're talking about all these other people that are apparently between me and God. What's going on here? Yeah, I, I think this is continuation of what uh, Father Patrick was ending the last segment with, but it, it reveals God's brilliance, his genius, but also his preference. Like God prefers to work through uh, secondary causes, and he invites each of us to participate in his work of redemption in very specific, very unique ways that are just reflecting how I would interact with God and how these other saints do. And, and so like when we look to that, it, it doesn't take away from God. We're not diluting him into this like big vat of, uh, you know, all these other saints, but it's more about what we see reflected at the Easter vigil where a single flame is lit and then continually spreads from person to person to person. And each person has the totality of that flame and thus, it's one flame that's divided but never dimmed and actually allows the entire church to be illuminated. And so when we look to the saints, we're seeing the illumination of God spread throughout the world, spread throughout the generations and throughout history, that it's God's continued um, pursuit of his children in very specific ways. And so I I'd never think or I don't think we ever have to fear that like we're doing God a disservice, but actually we're seeing his brilliance and his preference that he desires and thus invites us to participate in his work of redemption. And then he puts that on full display when we honor these saints. And it's, it's a really exciting thing. Yeah. I love the, I love the idea there of God's preference. You know, God, it seems delights to work through the saints so obviously, you know, God is all powerful. He could bring about whatever he wants to bring about directly and without intermediaries. So why bother, you know, to like implicate these different men and women in the life of the church? It seems like it's, um, yeah, it just, yeah, like you said, it, it could dilute or it would seem to threaten to dilute God's, God's causal power. But truth be told, it actually testifies to his greater power. Uh, so not only is he about the work of giving us grace, but he's also about the work of making us to be givers of grace because ultimately it makes us more like him, which shines the light on the real purpose um, of the life of grace. It's not just to be a passive recipient to like sit on, you know, the proverbial armchair of God's ministrations, but it's to be an agent. It's to be a real, you know, kind of person kind of thrown into the fray who's about this saving work uh, and made like God in the process. Um, okay. So that, I mean, certainly raises the question in people's minds and hearts, whether it's possible for us to be like that, you know, we're all very, I suppose, um, aware of our besetting sins and the things that keep us from being heroic in virtue, uh, the ways that we've made compromises with mediocrity and how much that stinks. Uh, is it possible, Father Patrick, is it possible for us to be saints? Absolutely. I think that, um, I think that this is one of the greatest gifts of theology in the 20th century, recognizing that, that holiness is possible and that it's yours. And it doesn't matter whether your vocation is 
to the religious life, which it absolutely should be. We'll get Father Jacob Bertrand on the phone here if you want to join the friars. We'll find, we'll find a nice little monastery to lock you up in. Maybe you want to be a contemplative. Okay. Uh, otherwise, go to Nashville. You'd be an active sister. Okay. You know, we got plenty. We got all the, the, the phones are ringing available. off the hook right now. Phones are ringing <laughs> off the hook. It just happened. We got, we got all the choices, you know, all the religious vocations. Um, or whether you're, whether you're called to religious life or whether you're called to married life, um, ultimately, what it means to be a saint is to to have communion with God in the deepest way, to be enjoying the graces of heaven. Um, so when when we say capital S saint, what is the church telling us? The church is telling us this person has the beatific vision. This person is rejoicing with the angels in the glory of heaven, and for that reason, the their life, the way by which they got to to heaven's glory, the way by which they attained the feasting of the heavenly banquet, is worthy of our imitation. Um, and reflection. So that's to say, uh, you know, I just want to, to re-echo a previous point. <clears throat> CF, my own brilliance. Uh, <laughs> 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 Father Joseph Anthony's falling off the couch now, rolling his eyes. Uh, um, the, the, the point here is that God, God is going to use the incredible diversity um, of, of his plans, the diversity of nations, the diversity of peoples, the diversity of um, our own gifts, and use all of those to proclaim the glory of his kingdom. And the, the great variety of interests, um, the variety of nationalities, the, divide, the variety of races um, among the saints is a testament to that in a very strong and beautiful way. Boom. I think the, the kind of like definition that you gave is like, what is the saint? What's well, somebody who's in the presence of God enjoying that beatific vision? Like that's something I think we really should keep at the forefront of our minds. Cause as we talk about saints, uh, I think that we naturally, but sometimes un unnecessarily slip into this uh, understanding that we're talking about the hall of famers, like those who are in museums, like these, uh, like, <laughs> Oh, we right. got our yeah. little like trading cards. Mm -hmm. Like, can you be a saint? Like, IE, will you get a trading card at some point? And like, yeah, I mean, there are certain men and women that we canonize, you know, in a very public and formal way to encourage each other. That's, that's what all this is talking about. But um, that universal call to holiness is each of us called to union with God in the beatific vision. Now, whether or not we get trading cards or we're put in the hall of fame, that's neither here nor there. But uh, that call to be a saint in the uh, accessibility is not the accessibility to the public recognition it's a, it's the accessibility to the heart of god and that is open to all of us and that's our desire yeah and i think that um responding to that grace is a matter of recognizing what god is actually giving i think sometimes mm -hmm. we can be a little bit deflated by the witness of the saints because it seems so exalted so far off so foreign to our experience but the way that god is going to make you a saint is by making you a saint and that will mean mm -hmm. giving you the graces that he wants you to have rather than you looking around and wishing that it were otherwise, right? Saying like, all right, you dealt me these cards, but can I, can I trade them back in for other better cards? He's like, no, no, I want you to play this hand, the hand that you were dealt. Um, so yeah, I think here of the parable of the talents, you know, somebody gives, gets five, somebody gets two, somebody gets one. Uh, but those who trade those talents, as it were, or you know, kind of uh, deploy those talents, they, they prove fruitful. It's the guy who looks around and compares and says, dude, I only got one. This guy's got two. This guy's got five. He goes and buries it. And then he comes under condemnation because he was, he was comparing, as it were. He was kind of downcast by the fact that his graces didn't look like those of the other. So I think for us, you know, to become a saint means to respond to what God actually gives, 
uh, to identify that and to recognize it as good and to respond in gratitude. So yeah. All right. Well, we're kind of winding up here just the last few minutes of the episode. It's the lightning round. Uh, so it's, it's time, I think, for glory stories. Father Patrick, Father Joseph, Anthony, uh, any particular saint stories you've come across recently or old-time favorites that you want to recount for the edification of our listeners? Yes, absolutely. And I'm going to go first because all of my favorite saints are Dominican saints. I'm not going to tell you about some weirdo non-Dominican like Father Joseph Anthony is going to, uh, but I'm... I'm <laughs> You watch your mouth, okay? You watch it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm steeped in the tradition, and I love the classics. Um, so my, so my, my saint shout-out today goes to St. Catherine of Siena, tireless oh. reformer, um, incredible woman of grace who loved the church, who um, in, a, in a very difficult time, uh, that is a time of pandemic, a time of incredible moral decay at the highest levels of church leadership, um, continue to strive for both the care of suffering persons, the marginalized, and for church reform, and did that um, through her love of the Dominican order and fidelity to its life and the charism of preaching. So yeah, shout out to St. Catherine of Siena. Fine. All right, All right Father I Joseph was, Anthony, yeah, what do you yeah. have? I was, I, I was thinking about going, you know, with a classic St. Joseph himself, you know, head of the <laughs> Holy Family. Uh, wow, weird so, flex, no, bro. I, yeah. Uh, but our patron saint for our ministry this year is St. Maximilian Colby. So I've spent a lot of time uh, reflecting on this. What did I tell you all? Him. Some hey, non-Dominican. Hey, <laughs> stop it. I have a special love for 20th century saints, okay? And he falls into that category. And if you if you want to step to St. Maximilian Colby, be my guest, okay? Um, <laughs> but I think he has such a, a profound importance, uh, especially as we're doing campus ministry in the context of a pandemic. Like, this man's life has um, just been a, a constant build, like, build up to this great moment where he exchanged his life for the for this other prisoner and that's what he's really known for but there was so much going on behind the scenes so much foundation work that was laid that made that sacrifice that exchange possible but at the end of the day um he was in the starvation chamber with nine other men and he loved those who were within reach like he loved his small circle his small group and it was that love that transformed the hearts of the prison guards because they couldn't understand why they were so joyful, why they kept praying as they were dying. And he uh, was able to strengthen and encourage those who were in his proximity. And that's all he cared about. And, and so much of our world right now is telling people to keep their circle small and things like that. And that doesn't mean that we lose the opportunity of acting charitably or loving in a deep way, but that's precisely how Maximilian Colby, um, you know, lived in and brought Christ into those moments that are very, very difficult. Um, so yeah, big fan of, uh, Maximilian Colby right now. I, uh, I also love, uh, St. Maximilian Colby for those who feel that most of their efforts are meaningless. This will sound like a kind of Christian nihilistic point, but yeah, what's up? Especially <laughs> that's to say the spirituality <laughs> of Father Gregory Magritte. Gregory Pine. Pine. Yeah, I was like, Let's here go. we go. Yeah, so, always on the border of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you've heard you've heard the story of Saint Maximilian Kolbe specifically how he offered his life uh, for I don't know how to pronounce his name because I'm not Polish, but Father Jacob Bertrand can correct me later. No, he can't. Father Humbert can. No, he can't. Um, <laughs> so, like something like Fr Franciszek Ivanchek, this gentleman came forward. He was selected as one of the ten to be killed. You remember that. 10 men were separated off to be killed because it seemed that one of their confreres had escaped the prison. So this is a way that they, uh, 
punished them in reprisal and struck fear into their hearts. But when the man came forward, he said, my wife, my children. And then St. Maximilian Kolbe stepped forward and said, I will take his place. I am a priest. So I think that's a really beautiful image for priests to meditate on the fact that to be a priest, it's just a matter of identity is to give your life for the flock. Um, but also, you know, we hear a story of great heroism, how he stood in his place, how all the other men died of starvation, but Maximilian Kolbe was, was too strong, you know, was too strong to be starved. Uh, so he actually had to be killed by lethal injection. But when you like kind of roll the tape back, uh, it seems that the gentleman whom they thought to have escaped actually did not escape. Apparently, his, his corpse was found in the latrine subsequent to their separating off the 10 men. Okay, so like, if you think about it that way, he, he died for no reason. And also, when Franciszek Kowalczyk said, you know, my wife, my children, his wife did survive the Holocaust, as did he, uh, but his, his two sons were killed in Russia. Okay, so like, part of the thing that he was lamenting the loss of was already lost to him. So St. Maximilian Kolbe, you think about the guy who didn't get away, he died for nothing. You think about the man for whom he died, in a certain sense, he died for nothing. And uh, apparently, Franciszek Kowalczyk had real difficulty with this, you know, with the fact of his life having been spared and another man dying in his place. But he said he came to peace when he discovered that Maximilian Kolbe could not have done otherwise, right? Maximilian Kolbe could not have done otherwise because such was the character of his virtue. And I think that that's like, that's something to which we can all aspire. Uh, I remember there was a guy at Steubenville when Father Joseph Anthony and I were there, and I, I overheard a conversation among some folks who were going to a meeting at which, you know, he was presenting some theme. And they're like, are we going to, you know, are we going to pray a rosary thing tonight? He's like, dude, Lewis is leading it. Of course, we're going to pray a rosary. Um, you know, like we want to become the type of people, not, you know, not as like holier than thou or condescending or patronizing types, but like the people whom others can rely upon to not be otherwise, right? To be holy as the Lord gives us to be holy. And it's possible and it's good. So I didn't add another saint. I just kind of waxed on the saint that Father Joseph Anthony had. had wow, great of. speech in the lightning round. Hey, <laughs> I'm sensitive <laughs> to my long-windedness. I just am unrepentant. Um, <clears throat> so that's, uh, that's what I got for you. More words from an endless stream. Please pardon us. So thanks so much for tuning in to God's Planning. Uh, for this episode. Happy All Saints Day to you and yours. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. If you don't like this episode, inflict it as a punishment on them and still share it. Um, so yeah, we, we look forward to chatting with you uh, at the next opportunity. Until then, God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planet, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.